This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, part two of our conversation with S. Bear Bergman, an author who helps us understand why we need to put in the work to understand and respect gender pronouns. But really, it's not really about gender pronouns. It's really just about respecting other people. Cool conversation. In fact, just so you know, if you're looking for part one, it's on a previous podcast, one step down on your list. What if you could make TikTok be a revenue generator for your business? Well, Samantha joined us. She's the TikTok coach, helped us discuss the strategies needed in business around social media and this is a couple of ideas how you can maybe just do it even if you're not even a business owner and raise your profile inside your business plus steve stebbing was here we talked about movies and are you okay with handcuffing yourself to your partner for almost four months 24 7 that and more on the shift daily podcast it's time for are you okay i might play one more you know just in a minute are you okay with commitment uh sometimes but maybe i think some once i yeah i i'm making a joke you, huh. you can't even commit to an answer yeah see i can't even commit to an answer it was a joke i'm being funny that's, that's me you know, that's my oh, humor oh that was very yeah. that was clever i, I like that one uh yeah <laughs> commitment is uh you you're never good at commitment when you want to be and then you figure it out. That's what I've kind of found in my own personal experience with it is really? you think you're good at it and you're really not. And then when it clicks, it really clicks and you feel a lot better. I think most people in life would like to feel like they're good with commitment, but then they hide from it and then they just get tired and they give up. Yeah. And I think as people, we often settle and call it commitment. <laughs> I just stopped fighting. So now I'm committed. <laughs> I stopped yeah. working hard, so I'm now I'm committed. Also known as I've just given up and settled. Well settled. <laughs> right? A couple in Ukraine wanted to put commitment to the test. So what would you do? This couple handcuffed them themselves to each other for 123 days. Oh. Here's more from oh. WTAJ TV. The experiment oh. had brought home some uncomfortable truths. They did this as a last-ditch attempt because they were in this cycle of breaking up and making up. Throughout the experiment, which they documented on social media, they did everything together, from grocery shopping, which kind of makes sense, to taking turns in the bathroom <laughs> and also taking turns showering. You see them there, they're actually celebrating... It's been 123 days. They're finally cutting the handcuffs. The woman said personal space is what she missed most, although she also thought her boyfriend didn't really pay enough attention to her while they were handcuffed. The guy in the relationship said he did not regret resorting to this desperate measure, adding that the cuffs helped him understand that the two at the end of the day were just not like-minded people. <laughs> wow. He basically <laughs> complained about agreeing to do it. And he, they probably could have broken that chain pretty quickly. I feel like you'd figure it out if yeah. it's going to work or not by the end of a week. Yeah. Seriously. Mm. That is. <laughs> I, I think that the way you make that one amazing would be digital detox, no phones for the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, there's a certain day or a certain time of the week where, yeah, the phones get put in like a literal lockbox or something, and you have to absolutely commit to doing something 
and it, it's like a foundation. Uh, I, I have friends who do that and they have, they're young and married and doing well. So it works. I mean, no phones ever. No, that's commitment. No, that would be damn. commitment. That would be commitment. Okay. So this story, um, the, when they, when the cuffs came off, they broke up. I mean, they could have just said, you know, let's tap out, but nope. It gets better. Pusta, uh, Pustavitova. Yeah. I tried really hard to write, <laughs> pronounce it for so. that one. Yep. Pustavitova quit her job as a beautician because clients weren't comfortable with her boyfriend standing over them as she manicured their eyelashes. <laughs> Fair point, I think. <laughs> Pustavitova says, I think it will be a good lesson for us, for other Ukrainian couples and couples abroad, not to repeat what we have done. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is a good lesson. Don't, don't. Uh, Can we just take it into the the extreme? Like, I don't want to go into toilet humor, but can we just go, like, going to the bathroom with the other person's hand handcuffed? There are certain things you do when you go to the bathroom that you need your hand for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a commitment I'm not willing to ever make. (laughs) Are you okay? Are you okay with Home Depot? I've always been more of like a Rona fan. Maybe Home Hardware. Good Canadian franchise. Yeah. Do you guys remember Revy? Revy, yep. I grew up with Revy. Totem was a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, Home Depot smells nice. I like the smell of of Home Depot. Like walking in, All it's like dads love Home Depot. It's like dads line up before they open. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you that's asked? true for sure. I'm gonna probably love it when I'm. I used to hate going to it as a kid, but I'm probably gonna love it in like ten years. Mm-hmm. It can be a great place to pick up whatever you need to reno your home. Overpriced lumber, overpursed things. Man, we did so well. <laughs> that's a typo. Friday. It can be a great place to pick up whatever you need to rent your home, overpriced lumber, overpriced other things. But just imagine walking into that lumber aisle, and instead of two-by-fours, you see this. The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! An exorcism. Hers more from WBRE-TV. Here's a headline you don't often see. An alleged exorcism at a local home improvement store. Now, the exorcism in this case was allegedly for trees, and it took place in Dixon City at the Commerce Boulevard Home Depot. Dixon City police responded to a call of what they called bad behavior that was occurring in the lumber aisle. The police escorted the people out of the store without incident. No charges have been filed at this time. I... Who would they charge? <laughs> the tree for being possessed by. But according to the 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 spooky stuff, and I I like to do reading in that. Uh, uh, objects can't get possessed by you know the devil. So I, I'm pretty sure the trees are okay. I just when you walk into Home Depot and you you're looking at something, and let's say it's like a pack of light bulbs. What makes you think? Yep. Satan is inside those bulbs. Mm. Do they like rustle? <laughs> the light bulbs rustle? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, this, uh, according to NBC4, no charges were filed at all, which is nice, I guess, for the exorcist. 
racism, folks? The response online has been fantastic with comments on local police department Facebook page like this. I feel slighted. I wish I could witness an exorcism in the lumber aisle of a Home Depot, wrote one person. (laughs) How does a wood exorcism happen in 2021 and not a single person in Home Depot videoed this for our entertainment? I need answers. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, that's a good question. It is a great point. They could have exercised the prices. That would have been nice. Are you okay? Are you okay with birds? I like birds. Yeah, I I don't mind birds. It makes me think, though. um, I used to work on this place called Granville Island here in in Vancouver. And it's notorious, though, for birds dive bombing, like aggressive birds dive bombing and stealing large slices of pizza. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't That's like evil. I don't like birds like that. Are That's they particular? Evil. Like, is it pepperoni or? No, no, they aren't. Um, because uh, I was needing meat at the time, and I had a cheese slice stolen, and my friend had a regular pepperoni. And I'm assuming pep, uh, pizza is incredibly popular on Granville Island. That's why. Yeah, it's basically all you can get down there. Oh, okay, mm. so they were stealing the only thing they could get. Really, it wasn't really called pizza per se. I feel like pizza is a motivator for most people. So who are we to say that it can't be a motivator for birds as well? In a story that truly sounds like it's a plot from an episode of The Simpsons, several people gather in Springfield, Illinois, D, (laughs) to attend. What? (laughs) Sometimes, Sometimes I like to throw in little nuggets of a typo here and there just to... Yeah. See if you're on your game or not. Just random letters. People gather in Springfield, Illinois, D, to attend the Birds Aren't Real rally. According to Fox 2, the group is protesting that all the birds in America are dead and have been replaced with drones. But don't worry, they aren't insane. They're actually poking fun. Before we tell you the real motivation behind the group, here's another. Nope. Here's more from the organizer, Peter M- McKindo. Interesting. What we what we believe, and I know uh, you know other people may not believe it, but what we believe um, is that all 12 billion birds in the United States are are artificial. Uh, what makes me think that? Um, I mean, I, I I think the evidence is all around us. Birds sit on power lines. We believe they're charging on power lines. Um, we believe that bird poop on cars is you know a liquid tracking a- apparatus. Um, you know, built to track people across. I mean, I think you know, we live generally in a, in a surveillance state in the United States right now, um, and birds are, is, are just one part of that surveillance state. So every um, bird is assigned to one person normally from our research, and that's the thing. I don't speak about anything I can't, like, prove in a court of law. Um, I speak about things I've seen documented. I've seen, you know, the documentation for these, and we've actually had CIA agents come forward and confess to this. So by research, do you just mean acid? (laughs) Oh, now that would have been a trip. Right? Become one with the birds. The Birds Aren't Real is a movement that parodies conspiracy theories like QAnon. According to Fox 2, McKindo is the mastermind behind the avian-inspired conspiracy. He first went live with Birds Aren't Real in January 2017 at the Memphis Women's March. The movement now has over 360,000 Reddit subscribers. You know, here's the problem. People probably believe it's actually a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because if you watch the video, it's all young people, like all people my age there. 
who are probably poking fun and thinking this is hilarious. We can make fun of people who think QAnon is real. And then somebody's going to watch it and go, oh, wait a minute. That makes sense. Let's do it. Can we just acknowledge the birds are charging on a power line? Because <laughs> that is genius. Yeah, I that was fantastic. That. That's a great. Yeah, that's a great joke. <laughs> oh, I love it. Are you okay? Do you even have to ask this question? Are you okay with Hawaiian shirts? No, I'm not. I'm You're not? not? Really? No, I'm against it. I'm a, I'm a contrarian um, uh, in general. <laughs> so, yeah, no, look, look at me. I'm wearing an all-black T-shirt. This is what I do. It's amazing. Those days you see me come in maybe in that one red shirt I own. That's mm-hmm. usually when I'm running out of laundry, to be honest. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I live by the, the one Hawaiian red shirt that you want. I like that. Like, that's pretty That's good. all I'm going to wear for this heat wave. Those Hawaiian shirts. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect. Yeah. It's a good time to introduce you to the Common Kings. The song's called 24-7. They're from Hawaii. No one can deny your flavor. Doesn't that make you feel like you want to be on a beach in a Hawaiian shirt? Yes. Can we... Okay, we'll just keep it running in the background because I want you to hear part of it. Okay, um, a woman says she wore the same bold print Hawaiian shirt for 264 days of Zoom meetings, and not a single person noticed, not even once. Oh, wait. I want you to hear the hook, so. It's kind of romantic, actually. It's good for the handcuff couple. All right. Anyway, um, here's more from Inside Edition. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I wore this shirt again? Like, that'd be a funny joke and everyone would say something. Um, and no one said anything. And then I thought, well, I'm going to keep doing this until someone notices. Uh, and no one ever noticed. And the entire time, no one ever noticed? 264 meetings. So there were, I had some real ups and downs, like the first, you know, month I was like, this is really funny. And I'd be like, oh, I'm still wearing this. And then it'd be funny again. Jackie was certain someone at the Washington, D.C. nonprofit agency would finally catch on. I anticipated someone eventually, especially in a board meeting, to be like, hey, can you not wear the pineapples and the, the flowers today? But no one seemed to ever, to ever notice. Last week, Jackie finally returned to the office. Guess which shirt she wore? I was like. So, by the way, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been wearing this shirt to every video meeting that we've had since last April, and they had no idea. They were like, that shirt? I was like, yes, the the shirt that I'm wearing right now, yes. That is a great, great joke to play on your coworkers. I love it. I can't believe she got a, that shirt? Really? Come on. (laughs) You know, the only thing really better than that would be showing up to a... uh, uh, House of Commons meeting naked. That's probably the only one better. 264 days of the year. <laughs> now, Jackie, the undisputed queen of Hawaiian shirts, has a new job, but she hasn't yet worn the shirt. Maybe I guess you got to get through probation first before you start making that joke. This is the Shift Podcast. Yesterday on the Shift, we started a conversation with S. Bear Bergman an author, about uh, gender pronouns. And we started that conversation just out of curiosity about sort of how does it work? I think that we fumble our way through 
this conversation and people are curious to get it right. We're also curious when we see a billboard with some Olympian with their he, him on there or she, her. Um, and so it, 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 it's, it's new for many people to try to phrase it, make it work and understand it. So we thought it would be worth the conversation to just ask. I found it strange. The they, them, their thing grammatically seems to be a weird one to get into. But then again, it's actually not when you look into it. And that's what I learned from this. So to continue the conversation with Esper Bergman around that, we left off asking him a question about pronouns and really how hard is it to, to really just give it a try? This was the answer. You know, you respect someone's personhood or you don't. And if you don't, then there's really nothing that I can say to anyone that will cause them to respect a non-binary person's personhood. And if they do, then they'll figure it out. My grandmother figured it out. Like, don't, no one is so, no one is incapable of figuring it out. I'll go as far as to add to that and say that I know that when I looked up them and they the very first time, I was surprised to see the definition included uh, all kinds of different perspectives, uh, more perspectives on them and they than I ever knew existed. And I'm a guy who writes about words. I've done spoken word, uh, you know, poetry and all those things about words and been writing about words for 20 years. And even in the last couple of years, looking up them and they, I was surprised to go, oh, oh crap, it's there, right? Like, uh, so, I mean, we often, um, and that's me, I would consider myself uh, a very comfortable conversation around words kind of guy. and. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna call myself an expert because I don't think that's the case, but I, I, I think that if people who look at them and examine words, when someone like a friend of mine came to me and said, you know, who decides who's a scientist? And my response to that was, well, if you want to decide if someone's a scientist, you really need to understand what science means first. And that's the way I throw that out there. Right. Um, it was a conversation around COVID unrelated, but it was, so, I mean, it, if, unless you're willing to examine it and understand it and at least take a perspective on it that is uh, educated and at least well thought out, you don't even have to agree with the definition. Just be well thought out. And a definition is nothing but a widely accepted agreement. That's all it is. I mean, I, I always go back to this place, Bear, where I say, you know, why is that called a road? And you and I'll say, well, I guess because someone decided it was called a road. And then enough people got convinced that, by the way, that's a road. So how do we call that snuffleupagus, not a road? We just need to get enough people to agree. That's it. Yeah. And we make up new words all the time. 1100 in 2018. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And there are words that we have now that are younger than me that people, I mean, I'm 46. Granola is a younger word than me. You believe that? Mm. Uh, I'm also 46. So you're hitting home here. Perfect. Right. <laughs> trifecta is a younger word than me i mean to say nothing of words like podcast and staycation but we don't just because they're new it we we willingly adopt them we all learned what social distancing was in two weeks yeah you know uh well, and then everyone, so many people took exception to social distancing and said i'm going to go with physical distancing because i'm not going to stop being social great as long as you stay six feet away from me you can i really don't i do not i know care. but it's just i use that all as an example want. of perspective people take it to different places it's crazy so why can't people take all the words to different places i mean i the widely accepted agreement uh is important 
you can't just make up a word and say, well, you can't make up a word. You can't take an existing word and change the definition and expect it. But just because of the fact that the definition, you might not understand the definition is where I come to. It's why I wanted to ask you these questions. I, you know, is that how does this all work? How do we make it work? And I guess, Bear, that's, that's really it when it comes down to this at the end of the day. You know, when I get the chance to see you hopefully in person one day and we have a visit and we sit down and we chat about it, I would like to think that when that happens, Bear, the few conversations we've had in between, that the world is a little bit better at it. I'm a little bit better at it uh, by the time we visit again. So how do we get there? I mean, I, I can actually tell you a, if your question is, how do I get to the point where I am remembering to use the right pronoun for someone every time that, and it's hard for me right now, I, I can, I can answer that question. If the question is how do we as a society learn to respect people when we don't understand how they arrived at their decisions, that that's beyond my pay grade. I got to be very honest with you, right? You know, I can say specific things like, you know, transgender and non-binary people aren't new. None of this is, none of this is a, 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 an idea that just started, you know, Tuesday right after lunch, as <laughs> as I think some people believe. Um, I can say, all you have to do is say, what pronoun should I use for you? And then somebody will tell you. And then that's the end of it. You just use that pronoun. Um, but we interact every day with things we don't understand. Right? Like, gravity and magnetism and i don't know why your cat always picks the most important piece of paper to lie down on hmm. we we don't understand any of those things and there's a million more things i don't really understand my dishwasher i put the dishes in i press the button i wait and when it beeps i open up the door again and my dishes are clean i understand oh. that water mine, happens in there mine and often isn't clean like that's a thing but mostly absolutely it's neat it's right. neat when you take that perspective i think that perspective is so important to say look it's okay to not get it you know but i can interact with i can interact with it even if i don't understand it that's right i don't understand magnets or chemistry or the internal combustion engine you know, I don't even really know how a seed knows how to do its thing. Like, I kind of understand something, something light, something, something heat, but I still plant them and they grow. And then eventually I eat a tomato. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I can say gender is complicated and I can say it's innate and um, intense and insistent. And I can say when you're gendered impulses don't match what society expects of you it's really hard and it gets harder as you get older and for many people it becomes an impossible situation to try to restrict or restrain themselves to the ways of being that are allowed based on their assigned sex at birth. Yeah. All that's true, but I don't 
actually need you to understand it. And to be really honest, I don't even need you to agree with it. All I really need you to do is respect that it's true for me. And as you said, small words, right? Minor changes in language that make a major difference to respecting me and to respecting my personhood. That doesn't seem like, does that seem like a lot? Well, I think I come to a place where is that if, hi, I'm Shane, hi, I'm Bear, nice to meet you, Steve. Um, that doesn't sound very respectful and we would never do that in life, right? So that's kind of where I come to from it, right? Is that I mean, if, we, it's weird. You do that a little bit though. How's I mean, that? I'm, well, I'm thinking about a lot of stories that I've heard of people who don't have common Anglo English names. Yeah. Oh yeah. That those, their names get butchered or that people, especially in, you know, power situations like a professor and a student will say, oh, can I just call you, you know, Gord instead of Gontawan, which is your name. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we do sometimes, I mean, you, you and I don't, right. Or I, I imagine we both try really hard not to. Yeah. Uh, it would be crazy of, to think that I haven't done it, but of course we do. Right. You know, there's a lot of ways in which even on something so simple as someone's name, when we, we show our disrespect or, or something as simple as pronouncing someone's name. If you ever listen to, you know, I, I watch um, the WNBA games sometimes and also the NBA games. Sometimes I watch basketball and uh, no matter what somebody's name is, the men's team, they always, the, the uh, color commentators and the game announcers, they can always pronounce it. doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. but when they call the women's games, they're very free to miss. They feel very free to mispronounce things. They don't give the women's names the same respect that they give the men's names. They stumble over them. They, uh, they get caught up in the middle. They say them very strangely. Like Mm -hmm. we, we all know on some level in every context we're in who we can get away with disrespecting. And, and it's a choice to not. Well, this is the question that it comes down to for me is that are we just all afraid? I mean, so many pieces of the brain go, you know, evaluate and assess, evaluate and assess. Can you hurt me? Can you hurt me? There's obviously layers of gender to that. Uh, there's also, you know, our lives and the history of the things that, you know, my mom left me, so I'm a, I don't like women. My dad left me. I don't like men, whatever. But, you know, we judge and assess, we judge and assess, and that's what we do to, uh, to establish if we're safe or not. And to me, it seems like in this conversation, it comes down to that. If a, I'm afraid to look bad because I don't know what to call you. I make it weird, which is usually what happens. And that's where bad jokes usually come from. And the other part is that if I'm afraid in general, because I don't understand the notion around it, um, again, I'm functioning from that place of fear. Is it possible that in all of this, we're just not willing to admit bear? I'm afraid of looking bad. I don't know what to do here. And uh, so I'm just going to make it weird. Uh, I I absolutely think so. But let me ask you a question. What do you do in a situation where you feel that sense of discomfort when you know that the person that you're speaking to has more power than you or could 
hurt you. Well, for me, I would embrace, I, but this is after years ago. So I'm going to speak to both places. It is taking me years of personal study to get to a place where I would embrace those situations and just be with the fact that this person um, is who they is, is who they are, are who they are. Um, there's the English language at work for you right there. And um, so I would do that. But if I look back five years, seven years, I would probably, my self, lack of self-worth would kick in. I would try to prove myself. I would probably distract away from the topics or notions that I wasn't comfortable with. And at some points, just exit. So, but I can openly say that I don't expect all of those situations to go well, but I will embrace it. And I'll even call it out. I'll even say, hey, Bear, I got to tell you what just happened there. That was terrible. I was in a situation. Actually, I walked into a hair salon a few weeks ago, as soon as I could finally get my hair cut. And, um, uh, the 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 uh, reception type person came up with with the the temperature gun and I sort of leaned over awkwardly and, and like I didn't know what like my brain and 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 uh, the lady said to me said you by the way she says are you okay like <laughs> I was like that was clearly my brain just misfiring because I don't know what just happened so call it out right and I try to just say you were just trying to take my temperature that's what happened. And I really made it weird somehow. And here we are. Let's move on. But that takes, I think that takes a lot of awareness and effort and uh, maybe humble is the word to just accept it. I mean, I think you, you make a good point that a lot of times we feel awkward and we don't know what to do. And as I, as I remind my children regularly, the opposite of awkward is graceful. You know, and we get graceful at things through practice. If we avoid situations where we feel awkward, we have no way to move through. You know, it's the practice that makes us graceful. You know, you're a radio host. You talk to a million people a year and now you're good at it. You could, you know, somebody could wake you up from a sound sleep at three o'clock in the morning and sit you down in front of, I imagine pretty much anyone and you could talk to them. That's my guess. Right. That's fair. I'd say maybe. Yeah. I would like to you think know, so. After, after all this, after all this practice that you've had, because you're graceful at it now, but the thing that you described having your, having your temperature taken at the barbershop is awkward because it's the first time and you don't know what the expectation is of you exactly. And there's no like groove to fall into for you to do it. So you kind of, you fumbled a little, mm-hmm. you know, and you just named it like, Oh, I, I made that weird. And then it's okay. Um, and I, there's a way in which I really wish that people could find that space a little more when they're trying to figure out how to, you know, use someone's new name or their correct pronouns for the first time, right? Just hold yourself accountable to the idea that you really just have to keep practicing until it's graceful. Honest to God, that's all it takes. Yeah. The power of listening is a magical thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, S. Bear Bergman now I'm going to read after that conversation, I'm going to read, and you said this is actually taken from Wikipedia. Um, yeah. This is the, uh, the descriptor <laughs> and I'm going to throw in the, I wrote a one great poem, but somehow that follows me around descriptor. 
Uh, S. Bear Bergman is an American trans man now living in Toronto, uh, author, poet, playwright, theater artist whose gender identity is a main focus of his artwork. That's what I have as the descriptor here. And um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, Bear. I think that this is this is the kind of, I would love to bring you back on the shift again, just about anything, not even about all this, but just because I think that this is the kind of conversation that allows somebody who is afraid and unfamiliar to go, hey, it's all right to ask questions. I, I think it really is. And it's especially all right to ask questions of people who have consented to, to turn up and give the answers, right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't necessarily ask a lot of questions about someone's gender experience if they don't agree to that first. But like I'll come on the radio and talk about gender experience that's you know part of what i part of what i do for work but i i absolutely i absolutely think that sometimes people make it way more complicated than it needs to be you can just call people what they want to be called and if you don't understand quite why yet that that's still fine yeah. Well, and know? is it even my business, right? Like if you want to be called bear and you want to be called him, then that's the bear. Here he is. That's it. I, I mean, that is my name. I, yeah. I do enjoy, <laughs> I do enjoy being called by my name. Thank you. Um, that comes in handy. Yeah. But you know, we all, we all move through the world with our own, I think little weirdnesses and mostly maybe it's just our family that has to get used to them. And, you know, but some people, you know, especially people who are non-binary, in order to have their identity respected, they have to go to the mat every day to get people to refer to them in the way that is correct for them. That's a lot of work, you know, and even if you feel awkward, I would say feeling a little awkward in conversation for someone who isn't trans or non-binary is way better than making it so that a trans or non-binary person has to feel bad about themselves because they understand that they're not being respected. Yeah. And I've learned from this, even as a language person, that sometimes the English language on a normal day is clunky at best. And so if it is clunky, when you try to say it the way you say it, it's kind of like any other day, just try again next time. It's like a, but it goes back to the putting on a pair of shoes when you go to the shoe store. You're going to try them on. They don't fit. You take them off. You put them back. You get another pair of shoes. Yet in this conversation, we can't seem to let it go that the blue shoes didn't fit. I like the red ones. Uh, Bear, yeah. thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, sbearbergman.com is a great way to get to the Asking Bear uh, part of this conversation and learn more about the work that Bear does and connect there. I hope we get to chat again soon. Thank you. Me too. Thanks a lot, Shane. It's the Shift Podcast. I death scroll on TikTok. I never used to. In fact, actually, that's not quite true. I'm far more interested in the reels on Instagram than particularly TikTok because I'm just more comfortable navigating my way through Instagram. And I think Instagram has been following me for longer, so it just knows me better. I feel like we're better friends. I feel like Mark Zuckerberg and I, like we're, we'd be bros if we hung out. We probably wouldn't. We wouldn't agree on most things. But the reality is he could probably tell me more about my past than I know. 
Now, that being said, it's all driven by TikTok. Even Instagram Reels, it's all driven by TikTok. There's no denying there are many fantastic things that come from TikTok. Aside from the fact that the, the assumptions of the Chinese government watching everything that you do, let's set that aside for a moment and let's simply just appreciate people are expressing themselves, dancing and singing on TikTok in a way that we've never seen before and how awesome that is. So check the politics for a moment. Uh, to have a conversation about this is Samantha Vla- Vlaschinu. Vlaschinu? Yeah. Ah, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vlaschinu. Uh, thank you. God, I practiced in my mind. I was like, I'm going to nail this. Sorry, Sam. Um, oh. The TikTok coach. Hi. At the TikTok coach. Follow along on Instagram and all those things. Um, that's what you do. You teach people the, the, the TikTokery. Well, I teach businesses how to monetize on TikTok, if that's okay. <laughs> well, it's okay. It's still the TikTokery. It makes you sound like a witch, like a TikTok witch. Like you're all powerful with a water. Yeah, right? Yeah. See, there you go. Um, Samantha, uh, business on TikTok. What people, uh, we had a conversation just last week here on The Shift about product placement. And we got a couple of text messages that said, product placement's so old, no one does it anymore. That's 90s mentality. When you watch TikTok, though, boy, oh boy, there's an awful lot of young ladies who dance holding cans of soda and energy drinks in order to promote those brands. So what can we learn about TikTok for business? I think we have two sides here. We have all of the audience who can support business and watch for things, as well as we have business owners who are going to say, huh, I've never really knew how that worked. I mean, from the business perspective, the reason why I became a TikTok coach is because of the potential and the reach it has for your audience. The numbers speak for themselves, Shane. Like TikTok has been downloaded over 2 billion times. And that's not even including China's number. Of those numbers, you have about 350 million active users who are over the age of 30 using the platform for about 80 minutes a day. 80 minutes a day. A day. Oh, that's crazy. We are. <laughs> wow. That says a lot about our society. Okay. Let's pretend that it's all entertaining and productive for a moment. Uh, that's an awful lot of people spending an awful lot of time there. Yeah. And they're watching other people's content. They're learning from other, maybe other brands um, or competitors of yours, but you're they're not watching your content and they have the disposable income to spend as well. So don't forget about that. All right. Um, the short videos must help, I guess, our little short goldfish attention spans. Yeah. But also, it also helps us with um, it also helps us with creating content that's easy because if it's four, five, six, seven seconds, it's not like it takes a ton of work. Well, you kind of want a little bit longer than four, five, six, seven seconds. Um, so yes, video always has a better conversion rate because it makes your brand uh, more memorable, your products more memorable as well as humanizing your whole overall brand itself. So if a picture tells a thousand words, think of what a video does for you. Right. Can we take it directly, like right onto the the street of competition here and talk about a couple of different job scenarios? So uh, that way people might be able to connect with, okay, well, that sounds great, but I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. So how how do we drill it right down into a, a perfect, like specific example? For sure. So most of my clients are doctors, lawyers, accountants, fitness instructors, uh, financial advisor, coaches, a lot of coaches. Really? What they all want to do is one goal, be a thought leader in their industry. Mm. So if you come onto the platform, 
All I want you to do is teach one-tenth of your knowledge to their audience. And because TikTok has been putting uh, more emphasis on educational content, they will push your content out more than someone who's just dancing or being funny. Mm -hmm. What if you can be smart and dance and be funny? Oh, you're a triple threat, Shane. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fantastic. Okay, so you've got doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, a list of people there. Uh, What kinds of content can, if someone owns their own truck or delivery service and they're driving stuff around at nighttime, um, if they're a truck driver driving around at nighttime, there's an awful lot of security guard workers and, and all those that are listening to the shift at nighttime. You know, how can we take a truck driver who owns their own truck and might be thinking, okay, well, you know, I've got a couple of corporate clients. I keep myself busy, but I really want to get myself another truck and an employee and grow my business. What kinds of things can we do or have we seen on TikTok where those specific examples can, can grow? How, how do you express yourself? So think of it this way. Um, think, take, a, take any story, like Cinderella, for example. You have mm-hmm. Cinderella. Then she wants to go to a ball. She's not allowed to go. Then there's a guide. The guide is the godmother that comes in who gets her dressed up, gets her nice and fancy, and brings her to the ball. Mm-hmm. The guide in this story is you, your business, your services, your products. You are helping your audience figure out their pain points and delivering the results of what they want. You're connecting the two. So sometimes your audience might not even know they have a problem or what the problem is or what the solution is. And you're there to be there on TikTok to showcase how your trucking services or your coaching program will help get them the results that they desire. Okay. So if you're a truck driver and you just complete, like, is it as simple as this? You just completed another on-time delivery, right? Or you, it was a snowstorm or whatever. I mean, those kinds of little videos saying, Hey, you know, it's Bob's trucking another, uh, you know, look at the truck, survived the snowstorm covered in ice and we made it safely or stuff like that. Just little things that are going to connect with people that are going to, I mean, I follow Strange. I didn't even know I liked this until the reels and TikTok came around. I love construction equipment videos. Like I love watching those you know, like bulldozers and stuff. I had no idea. So there's clearly an audience. You know, if you, you know, look what we delivered today. Look at the size of this bulldozer, safe and sound. Like stuff like that. Well, you kind of want to indirectly market yourself because nobody likes to be marketed on yeah. or sold to, right? Like on yeah. Instagram story, you'll see like, oh, course launching, course that doesn't work on TikTok. Uh, what no. you can do is making sure that you add value every time you create content on TikTok by asking yourself these four questions. Okay. Are you educating your audience or are you entertaining your audience or are you inspiring your audience? And once you've mastered these three pillars, then I'm going to say, start promoting your services and products on the platform. So it's about 80, 20, 80% marketing, 20% direct selling. Right. Connect, 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 sell. Connect, connect. Exactly. Humanize your whole brand, make it uh, relatable to your audience and make it engaging with your audience. I think a truck driver could probably just do videos of like, hey, but or we've got like a bunch of truck drivers that text off to like Kevin and Dan and Brian, all those guys were like, hey, it's Trucker Brian. You just honk the horn and people would probably watch those videos because I mean, who doesn't who when you were a kid didn't pull the the horn rope when a big truck went by. Right. Like people love that stuff. Well, you, you just got to find the right hook. The right hook right. could be a visual demonstration or it could be stating a surprising fact. 
Okay. Like one in four truck drivers do this wrong, and it's like, oh, interesting facts. That's cool too. See, look at all this insight. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, retail. Here we are. Uh, strangely enough, coming out of hopefully, oh God, fingers crossed, coming out of COVID, and we've been shopping from home. I can say that it's been three weeks now since I've ordered anything from Amazon. I feel good about that. But if we want to support local, ironically, we don't necessarily have to get offline to support local. We can start to seek out some local businesses that are doing this kind of content and find them. How do we do that and kind of plug back into our own communities with this ocean of videos that is TikTok? How do we support the business? That was one of the things where a lot of businesses came to me to work with me in a sense of like, I, my, my brick and mortar store is now shut down. I'm so new to the online world. How do I start marketing my product and stand out in this ocean of everyone else selling exact same products? So again, people buy from people they like, they know, they trust. Uh, a great way to use your products in TikTok besides putting it, itself as a guide and solving the problem for your users you have an opportunity now to use user-generated content. I'll give you an example, Shane. So EOS, it's a lip balm company, okay? I'm like, how are they going to be on TikTok? And the best way that they've been doing it is by using other people's content, showcasing the product EOS. And they do entertaining content or they do uh, making the product behind the scene or a day in the life of EOS. Like it's storytelling around the whole brand. Mm -hmm. When you said EOS, I thought you said EOS at first. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, okay, if you can market a slimy thing from the ocean, then I'm all in. But I get it. The EO slip chap. I mean, it's good stuff, right? So how do they, how do they market other people's content? And they were like, when other people are using it, I guess that, I mean, the question always comes up for a business person is always, where am I going to find the time? Or am I going to have to hire someone to do it? Because I can, you know, can I even afford that? I mean, cause it can be a whole other job. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of working smarter, not harder. Um, so what I like to do is I like to make my content on TikTok, then I repurpose it onto my other channels, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm trying not to repurpose, I'm trying not to take up too much time on social media because we're always spending so much time on there. Uh, and, and that's one of the best ways that you can do it. Um, but keep in mind, TikTok does have one of the best ROIs out there, for, uh, return on investment due to social media, because Shane, if I was to ask you your Instagram posts, for example, how long before your Instagram post stops engagement? Oh, it's usually ended. Well, probably the next day because now that Instagram's kind of spooling it a little bit and not delivering it as soon as you post it, it's probably end of next day, I would imagine. So around 24 hours mark, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say if I was taking a guess, I would guess 36. Yeah. Okay. So same with me, similar. I'm around 24 hours mark. TikTok, your content can last days, weeks months, even years, the ROI on that alone for you to spend two hours making a video is now passively marketing for you without you doing anything. And that's what I love about it. Wow. And that's a good hook for business owners because passive income is the best of the incomes um, and a favorite. Absolutely. Okay. So I just feel like 
I guess we have to have some courage. I guess there's a little bit of courage to put yourself out there in all this, isn't it? I mean, it's easy for us to say, hey, by the way, get on the camera and tell a story. And then you're going to put the camera up and then you're going to see your face. And you're going to be like, oh, my God, I got to brush my teeth or something. And then you're going to be like, look at him. Oh, my hair is terrible. And this shirt's bad. And the background's terrible. And all these things happen. And next thing you know, you're on Amazon buying one of those ring lights. And, you know, you're going through all these things. So, you know, I guess it really... As the human part, as the TikTok coach, there is a human element that you just have to trust that, okay, this is going to be very hippie of me, but it's it's where I go. Like, you're enough. You're good enough. You are talented. You are a professional. You're smart. You know, you're handsome. You're pretty. You're, you are enough as you are. Don't worry about it. Let your personality shine through and have some fun. And it you're not going to get it right the first time anyway, so why worry about it? I mean, there is a human element to that. A hundred percent. I will tell you, Shane, the first time I went on TikTok, I was dancing and nobody wants to see that. I was like, do, 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 do. I'm like, oh my God, it was so cringeworthy, but that's how we learn. And I always keep that video up to show my clients the example of where I started. You cannot learn unless you start doing. And my, my rule of thumb is MVP, minimal viable product. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get out there, launch it, validate the demand how it was, how it did, and then keep improving as you go. That's terrifying. It's even terrifying to me. I do this for a living, and that's terrifying for me to think that I was just trying to imagine in my mind, say, some of the poetry or things that I write. If I was to sit down on TikTok and do some of my uh, my my speaking bits or poetry bits and, and read them on a video and then put it out there. Um, what's the worst people- that happened, Shane? What's the, what's well, the worst? So if you've ever heard the show, actually, probably not much worse than the show. Because <laughs> we would call this the dumpster fire uh, many days. So <laughs> that's a good reminder. This is cool. I like this. Um, so don't forget that you can still market yourself, market your business. And remember that even as an employee of another business, you still are in business for yourself. I would also throw that out there too. Remember, if you know, if you're going to be a, if you're a truck driver, I think that's a fantastic example. If you're a truck driver and there's something insightful about safety on the roads, even we always get um, messages from truck drivers about bad drivers. I mean, if you could do road safety things about how to respect a truck driver or how to respect a big truck, that in itself would be incredible, um, incredibly insightful for so many people. And that would just be, you know, hey, here's, you know, Trucker Dan with some road safety tips. Um, You could do little things like that, share yourself. And uh, next thing you know, if you ever wanted to negotiate with your bosses and say, look, I've got this profile. I mean, I can not include the company logo when I do these things, or I can include the company logo. Like there, there can be value there for even people who aren't business owners. 100%. 100%. I mean, either whether you want to be a thought leader, a go-to expert, or even an influencer, it's a huge opportunity to find a new way um, to market your business, yourself, um, and the value that you can provide for your audience. What are you most excited about when there's you see content? Like when you see content or you make content, when you see it and you're like, oh my, that's it. That's the holy grail of the awesomeness. How do you, what is that for you? Uh, it's usually all the like the life hacks I learned on TikTok. I'm like, no way this is going to happen. And then what I do, I'll go in the kitchen. I'll take out my, my knife and I'll try it out. I'm like, oh my God, it does work. And it saves me so much time. <laughs> so those are like, the best ones. And then I annoy my husband. I, I show him all my hacks. And he's like, I don't understand why you're doing that with the potato chips bag. I'm like, because it's smarter. He's like, not really. But I think it is. So, I, you know, my biggest one was Clean Co. out of Calgary. 
uh, the cleaning company. They have millions of followers on Instagram and CleanCo, they have different ways to clean your house and they do it with, um, you know, Tide and they do all that stuff and they give you the recipes of all the stuff to use to clean. Oh, that's To cool. me, yeah, that's amazing. It's, I have learned how to clean my bathtub in a matter of minutes, seconds even, versus, you know, oh, I got to clean the bathtub, you know, the whole thing and you dread it. And I have teenage children, so their bathroom is like a third world country, like unbelievable. So it's, um, that's not even respectful to third world countries. It's that bad. Um, so it like, it literally is, um, yeah, it's amazing what you can learn online if you just spend a little time. I will tell you, Shane, uh, I hear you on that front. I went to Ivy. I spent like $50,000 at this business school. I have learned more in finance from TikTok than I have in my own business school. Really? Hey, that's amazing. Good stuff. Well, I, uh, this is great. If you want to uh, learn more about Samantha, you can the TikTok coach on all the socials, uh, the TikTok coach.ca too on the website and, uh, just check it out and you know what, maybe give it a go. Maybe it's not your jam. Maybe you just want to be the person who watches it. That's cool. You can support local business that way too. Or if you want to create some business and, you know, maybe chase those dreams a little bit. This is a great way to get started. Samantha Vlaschenu. Thanks, yeah? Is that right? Yes. Oh, Thanks. sweet. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Have a great night. This is the Shift Podcast. Before we get into our normal Steve Stebbing segment... Ryan wants to start start something new, so let's introduce Steve and get started. What the hell should we watch this weekend? SteveStebbing.ca. Steve went back to the movies. Yes, I work. I work. Th- this is not my slack time. This I work hard for this night to make it bring it all together when yeah, with work. my uh, my posting right. and everything. But yeah, it was a work. big a big night. Um, it was over a year since I've been in theaters. Now Crazy. tell I saw your tweets. So tell the story about um, your last theater experience and this <laughs> theater experience. Well, my last theater experience was in mid March, and it was the Vin Diesel film Bloodshot, which was not good, like just not good. It was just mediocre and just bland and not good. But my <laughs> experience tonight, and I'll talk more about it in a little bit. But I saw. F9, the Fast Sega, the new Fast and Furious movie, which is also Vin Diesel. So it's like I was told farewell by Vin Diesel in March and then welcomed back by him. So Vin Diesel saved movies? Maybe? I don't think so. You could have left that (laughs) report probably with, I saw a Vin Diesel movie and it's, I mean, you didn't have to put in the title. You just could have. Hey, you know what? It was the perfect movie to come back to movies in because it's just a big, dumb blockbuster that's loud and it utilizes the theaters in every proper way. So, okay, cool. I mean, could have been worse. Steve Stepping say we'll get to the normal what the hell should we watch weekend report in one second. Ryan O'Donnell is has got us set up with a uh, a class project, if you will. What do you want to do here, Ryan? This is uh, this is cooler than a class project. This is uh, mm. this is extracurricular, okay? But this is one that you want to do because I would say the second best part of movies is talking about them. And it's mm-hmm. way more fun to talk about them with other people than just, you know, write them down and 
see what other people think. So I mm-hmm. thought it would be really cool if once a, about twice a month we meet for the Shift AV Club, the audio visual visual. Wow, Vi- mail it in Friday. <laughs> <laughs> the audio visual club, where we will all four of us will watch a film and we'll give ourselves a week to digest it to write down our thoughts to make sure that our reviews are well thought out and then we'll get back together and we will review it and this is an invitation to everyone listening so on av club days there is going to be a uh, a little magical device Mm. that uh, we use. So, Brendan, we're going to use the second clip first here. But every two weeks, we will pick a movie randomly from what I have trademarked as the genre wheel. It is a wheel that we will spin, and it sounds like this. Comedy. (laughs) Comedy. Nice. (laughs) So, on that wheel... You can't see it, but you can hear it, are a bunch of movies, random ones, which we will switch up the genre every couple of weeks. So what we are planning on doing on July 8th, which will be the first Shift AV Club meeting, we will be doing a uh, action-themed movie. So a bunch of random action movies will be on that wheel, and we'll randomly pick it. We'll have a week to watch it. We'll come back. However, why don't we dip our toes in? This week. Oh, bef- before you do that, I just want to make sure that everyone understands the invitation for the shift heads is for you to watch with us, join in the conversation about the movie, and get in on it. And it will be accessible movies that you can get on Netflix or Prime or some of the more simple access yes. points, as opposed to like, oh, you get your video on demand and pay all this money and you're going to need to actually go to pay for Russian a movie website. and stuff because yeah. that's dumb. Yeah, download a torrent and all <laughs> yeah, kinds of don't things. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But uh, to give you guys a little bit of a taste of what I was thinking about, I've selected a movie that I would say 90% of the people I know have seen, and we can just give a couple thoughts on it and see how it goes. So uh, with the first film being revealed on Thursday, July 8th with Steve Stepping, tonight, let's talk about this movie. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're going to see some serious shit. Back back to that future. Back to the future. So we're going to just fast forward this as an example of what you guys can look forward to here on The Shift uh, so we can get to Steve Stebbing stuff. Back to the future, one of the best movies of all time. First one, second, third one, brother. But uh, I say it's one of the best ones of all time. My favorite part, though, about all of it is the car. Hands down. Oh, absolutely. DeLorean. Yeah, the best thing that John DeLorean ever did in his entire existence mm-hmm. yeah it's very true i mean it still stops traffic today when people see yeah. the delorean now ryan you had a perspective on the movie uh towards the end of it that you wanted to share well uh so i actually put it on while i was working today just to refresh because i've seen it a million times but it had been a few years Mail-in i had Friday. forgotten that uh marty mcfly's dad is kind of a creep <laughs> and I forgot that near the end of the film, there is quite a, like for a, what is, I've always grown up as, a, you know, a family movie, quite a serious sexual assault that happens that's mm-hmm, yeah. like pretty, like kind of shocking. It was like, whoa, I don't remember this being this 
uh, graphic. I mean, it's not R-rated or anything, but still pretty crazy, which makes it so satisfying when the villain gets his comeuppance at the end of the movie. Uh, but the, my main takeaway, and Brennan, I'll have you cook up that clip there, is the fact that this is one of the most 1980s movies ever. Like, every line of dialogue feels like it is written for the decade. Like, I grab this clip, and I feel like I'm in the 1980s the second I hear it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 825? Precisely. Damn. I'm late for school. <laughs> right? It's perfect. <laughs> it's I love it. Uh, so that's how it's going to kind of roll out. We just wanted to give you a bit of an example of that one. Uh, text from Southern Ontario says, I'd really love to see a reboot of Back to the Future. Thanks for that. And yeah, so these are the kinds of conversations we'd like to have. Two weeks from now, we're going to start it. And uh, and that's the way it's going to go with your contributions and your calls here on The Shift with the AV Club talking movies. So let's get into, Steve, your normal report here as you mm-hmm. do. You mentioned F9. You went to the movie theater to see it. Yep. Uh, did the popcorn make you sick? And um, let's get the clip. So we're up against a master thief, assassin, high-performance driver. Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. Was the popcorn amazing? That's really the big question. Yeah, no, it was good. It was it was just nice to be back in the house, you know? Like I, I when the when the lights went down after the, the, the previews and the movie was about to start, I went, Chewy, we're home. Just like to myself. Just like yeah. like I'm back. That's That's neat. I felt I felt That's back. Good. And I mean, it's it's a big, stupid two and a half hour long movie of car crashes, stunts. Yeah, uh, stunts. Uh, um, Vin Diesel and John Cena fight scenes where they blast through door jams like they're made out of paper mache. Like it's it's insane. It's stupid, but it's fun. And and if you're I, I say see this with with somebody else because I watch it by myself and I'm like laughing like i'm robert de niro and cape fear like i'm just guffawing up my my butt off in the in the aisles and stuff and if i had somebody there like with me to to riff with i, I it would just made the experience just a little bit better but yeah i had a great time with it honestly steve stemming what the hell should we watch this weekend uh some show ideas to maybe stay cool out of the heat in western canada and stay dry in ontario ice road the only way up there is crossing the ice roads. That lake has been thawing for five weeks now. If they are able to accomplish this, we will be exposed. So the question is time. We've been sabotaged. It's kind of the same <laughs> character over and over again, but I love that guy. It, yeah, it really is. He's like really like a parody of himself like constantly and he's like the only person that doesn't see the joke um but this one i mean it takes place in the 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 canadian ice fields of Ma- of manitoba and uh basically uh a bunch of miners get trapped and uh liam neeson's a big rig driver that him and a bunch of other people are tasked to bring the equipment up the ice roads which is just basically just just completely frozen uh water but 
you know, is treacherous. If they slow down or if the weight is dispersed weirdly, they'll fall into the ice. And then all of a sudden it turns into this corporate greed, like, like espionage type of uh, movie, because of course it has to have some kind of action uh, drive to it, even though Liam Neeson retired from action movies after Taken 3. So I don't know where the hypocrisy is, but it's there. Ice Road Truckers with Liam Neeson is basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially exactly. You know what? I think if you just watched two episodes back to back of Ice Road Truckers, it would probably be a more satisfying experience than going to the theater to watch Ice Road. Nice. Um, let's go to false positive. Hear the clip. Maybe. No. Wait, I don't have false positives. False Am I looking positive. at the wrong list? Yeah, I don't have that one. It's wrong. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong list. All right. I mean, by false positive, I meant Wolfgang. Hey! Oh, yeah, there you go. I got that one. All right. But the ketchup was the only place where I felt safe. I decided at that moment, I want to prove him wrong. The Mount Rushmore of Chef Wolf's right there in the middle. He changed the way Americans eat. Wolf doesn't have an end game. Maybe that's why he's still at it. For me, food is family. Making people happy is my purpose in life. Well, if you've ever been to the restaurant, you know it's good food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look, if you don't like Guy Fieri or Gordon Ramsay or Jamie Oliver or any any of these uh, celebrity chefs right now, Wolfgang Puck is really the person to blame because he was the first uh, celebrity chef. He's um, he's a guy that basically moved out of Europe to to come to America to um, kind of expand his horizons in the industry. Uh, worked for one restaurant that gave him his basically his his foundation, and then when he realized that he had nowhere to go there and he was kind of getting used for his skill, he opened Spago, which is like one of the greatest restaurants in the U.S. and it's uh, celebrity renowned. And I mean, the empire just grew from there. Uh, I mean, of course, he made it to TV, had his own show. He has his own like home cooking line, like one of the first chefs to do that. Uh, I mean, Wolfgang Puck is kind of the be all end all of, of celebrity chefs. So it's uh, it's really neat that Disney Plus uh, put together this documentary as kind of a retrospective of his career. It's very interesting stuff. But does he throw frying pans? That's what really everyone wants no. to know. He seems very even keel, of course, like comparably to some of the other chefs and some of the other ones that have made uh, notoriety. I mean, looking at Hell's Kitchen for sure. He seems so just like kind of calm and and inviting, really. All right, let's skip to TV. Rick and Morty season five from Adult Swim. When do I ask you for anything? When do you? I haven't been to a full week of school in years. I don't know. Sh- Please. A strange, horny ocean man is on my lawn. Sweetie, don't get all worked up before your job interview. Job interview? Yes. Is that so hard to believe? Actually, yeah. Something's off. Strange, horny ocean man is on my <laughs> lawn. You might have to explain this one for people who don't know Rick and oh, Morty. It's really funny that we kicked off this segment with Back to the Future being Doc Brown and Marty McFly because Rick and Morty are just a riffing of those same characters but just put it in a nightmare spindle with some really great comedy uh, writing from justin roiland and dan Harmon, the creators and you've got rick and morty uh i mean 
it's it, there's a divide in this one. You're either really going to like it or not. Some people don't kind of latch on to the frenetic style that it that it goes through. It is kind of mean spirited once you get further into it. But I think it's some of the best comedy on television right now. Adult Swim obviously knows that with the launch of the fifth season. Now they have, I think, 50 more episodes commissioned. So that's like that's at least another four seasons. So, I mean, we got a lot more Rick and Morty to come in. So you can jump on the bandwagon now because there's a whole bunch of room. SteveStepping.ca if you want to check out the whole blog. So next Thursday is the Canada Day show, so we won't do it then. But the week after that is when we'll be giving you some topics to join us as we watch some movies together as a group with the Shift Heads and Steve Stebbing. Uh, thanks, brother. Congratulations thanks. on going back to the movie. I am, I am on cloud nine with it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.